Hi, everybody. I'm Tony Marcolini. I'm joined here today with my co-host, Seamus McDonough. And welcome to the podcast, It May Interest You to Know. I am incredibly honored today and uh, beyond starstruck to have what I consider to be Hollywood royalty here with me, uh, with Seamus and I. Uh, I have someone who's been on the podcast before, uh, the legendary actor Mike Farrell is with us today. You know him from MASH and so many other worthy projects, Providence um, and movies, and I could go on and on about his career. Uh, and also his gorgeous wife, Shelley Fabraise, um, who starred in three movies with Elvis Presley, uh, had a number one hit on the charts. Yes. Um, yes. And uh, also a couple of TV shows that you're going to know her from really well, uh, One Day at a Time and Coach, of course, a two-time Emmy-nominated. Uh, please welcome me in joining Shelley Fabraise and Mike Farrell to the podcast. Thank you thank very you. much. Nice thank to be you, with thank you, Seamus and Tony. And Tony. Yes. Hey. <laughs> Hi. So I think I did the same thing with your husband. And because I'm just a curious person, if you don't mind me taking you all the way back to the beginning of your career, I'd really, I'd really like to ask some questions right back from the start. Sure. Um, well, I know you started out on the Donna Reed show, uh, and that was like your first big break. But in doing some research for today, I was surprised to learn that you started acting actually as a child, three or four-year-old child. Um, and then you had also done uh, a show, kind of showcase with Frank Sinatra and Paul Newman. Is, is this accurate? Uh, yes and no. Um, I started out as a, a model when I was three years old. And um, after that, I began working in television in the ensuing years. Um, I did do what was called a showcase with um, Frank Sinatra, but um, that particular, I did a show with Paul Newman also and Eva Marie Saint and Frank Sinatra again, which was the music musical version of Our Town, which happens to be my favorite play of all time. But it was a wonderful show with the three of them. Eva Marie had just won the Academy Award for On the Waterfront, and Frank Sinatra was already Frank Sinatra. And Paul Newman was just a new young actor, and um, it, was, it was quite amazing. And Sammy Kahn and Jimmy Van Heusen wrote all the music for the show. Anyway, the, the, the first show that I did with Frank Sinatra, I, I played... Um, I don't know what the setup was exactly, but he was doing a show from the East, from the West Coast, and Ella Fitzgerald was doing the second half or the other half from New York. And I played a little girl who ran away from home, I guess. And I came out on the stage where he was doing this show, as I said, <laughs> the exact setup. But um, what happened is, I guess he and I talked a little bit, and then he he asked me to dance and they started this music and we did a dance all around the stage to, um, um, oh, why can't I think of the name of the song? Um, God, it'll come back to me. Just give the me summer winds. I know it was much of a <laughs> um, uh, No, I can't, I can't think of it. It's gone right at the moment, but it'll come back to me. But yes. So I, I did do that. That was when I was about nine, I guess, eight or nine. And um, and then I worked after that. The Donna Reed show didn't start until I was 14. So I had already been working for um, an amazingly long time. <laughs> the veteran by that time. <laughs> were you a little starstruck when you, you met Frank Sinatra? I, like, were you a fan of his at that point? No, I had no idea who he was. <laughs> whatsoever, whatsoever. And um, he just seemed, when I first met him was the first show when we danced. Um, and it was, uh, he was just a very nice man. And that, that was it. My aunt, Nanette Fabre, who was an actress and, um, she was on the Sid Caesar hour at that time. And I got a telegram that was done in New York. And <clears throat> so aunt Nanette, <clears throat> who was doing the show with Sid Caesar with Mel Brooks and Woody Allen and, um, uh, Doc Simon, Doc Simon, Neil Simon, um, everybody. And so this telegram of hers said, um, you know, darling Shelley, I know you're going to be just fabulous. We're all going to be watching. Everybody here is, uh, is just thrilled for you. And just remember, I love you so very, very much. 
and you're just going to be fantastic. Uh, P.S. Tell Frank, I'm sure he'll be good too. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So, Actually, yeah. I, I liked her. I liked your your aunt uh, Nanette or Nanette Fabre. Sure, she was from all, uh, One Day at a Time. You co-starred with her, and I think she did an episode of Coach or so. Didn't she play your mom in Coach? Yes, you have an amazing memory. Yes, she did, and um, that was that was wonderful. We also did. There was a series called Forever Fernwood, which was uh, a continuation of Mary Hartman. Mary Hartman, I'm not sure if that's a series that you ever saw. It was a Norman Lear series. And it was on um, like every day, five days a week. It was done as a soap, but it was done at, for nighttime. And uh, in that she played my mother on several episodes. So we had already done that. And then I was doing one day at a time and they brought Aunt Nanette in. No, 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 I'm sorry. Aunt Nanette was doing the show first, playing Bonnie's um, mother. And then I came into the show supposedly as Bonnie's business partner and uh, her character didn't like my character at all. So, but it was great fun. You were a bit villainous in that show though, right? <laughs> I hate to characterize you that way, but you were a bit of the villain in One Day at a Time. I loved being a villain. <laughs> it was great. Um, yes, I was. I was supposed to be, you know, Bonnie was the, the star of course. And she was the good human being. And I was a um, just an incredibly villainous person. I, was, I saw things totally. My character's name was Francine Webster. And I saw everything in terms of Francine. I, I, I had no conception of anybody else being alive in the world excepting Francine. And it was how she liked everything. And she just was terrible to Bonnie. And somehow the characters worked together. Um, why, why Bonnie's character would let my character be there. I don't know, but they did. And it, we had a great time doing it. But one of the great things to do is to play a villain. They always have the best time, <laughs> the, best, the best characters. They're the most fun to do. So that was really, um, a wonderful, a wonderful show to do. Sure, you were one of the early narcissists. I'm sorry, Seamus. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. I said, no, no, I'll go. Okay, so one of my, one of my first uh, acting roles, I got by total accident, <laughs> uh, off-Broadway. I uh, played a, uh, in the Bobby Sands play way back in, in the uh, 90s. I uh -huh. played a guy who beat the crap out of Bobby Sands every night. Oh, really? <laughs> and and, and initially, I know it was horrible. <laughs> initially, I, I was like, I didn't like it because I'm, because I'm, you know, I, I don't want to, hurt anybody but then i realized oh but the more evil i appear the better for the show so that's what i did <laughs> Good for you. that was exactly right <laughs> i'm sorry we never saw that yeah. now before i get too far afield of the donna reed show i mean there's always a lot of press on child stars and the impact being so famous at a young age has um, but you were, right? You were a teenager, and the Donna Reed show was kind of the the show to be watching at that time. What was it like to be a child star for you? And did you feel you were impacted by that fame at that age? I had no idea of being impacted at that time. Um, in retrospect, yes, I look back on it, and I think that... Um, while my personal experience was quite wonderful, mostly because I got to be with Donna Reed and she was, I, I loved everybody on the show, but she was a real, the star of the show, of course, but also a real focal point for me. She was like a second mother. So that I, my personal experience was very good, but I, I think being a child actor is a terrible way to grow up. Mm. It is, um, mm. it, it demands, it demands of the of the child really to be an adult because you're working in an adult world surrounded by adults and you're hired because you're a child and you're supposed to portray a child but you're expected to act like an adult you know you have if you start behaving like a child which is to be you know concerned only with yourself or whatever you want to do that's not okay you're there as a professional you have to be on time you have to know your lines. You have to really conform to what is a professional uh, position. And that's just not a way to grow up. It's, it's not uh, when you're trying to find out, even though you don't know it, but you're trying to find out who you are and what you're going to do and what you're 
how you, how you're going to be a person. You can't, um, you can't do any of that. You, you have a very circumscribed role and it's just, it's, um, it's, it's just not natural. Also, when you're a child actor, as when you're an adult actor, but when you're a child actor, even more so, um, everything is done for you. Everybody who's there treats you um, abnormally in that it's, they treat you very kindly. Are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you thirsty? Can I get you something? What do you, would, what would you like to do now? Everything that, that doesn't happen, you know, in real life or, or that is the exception rather than the rule. You know, your parents don't say, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you thirsty? What can we do for you? What can we do to make you happy? And in essence, that's what they do on, on movie sets. And therefore, when you have the job, children think that life revolves around them anyway. And um, when people act like that to you, you just think that that's the way it is in life. You know, that people are always going to be asking you, are you tired? Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? What can we do for you? Um, and then you get out in the real world and everybody's kind of saying, get out of my way. Or, you know, what are you doing here? It, you're, you're not prepared for an actual life, a natural life. And uh, on the other hand, if you don't get the job, that's as if you do get the job. The good news is you got the job, but then you're in that unreal world but if you don't get the job you're left feeling that something was wrong with you you're too tired i mean no you're too you're too tall you're too short you're too fat you're too thin you're too um your hair is the wrong color you or you're just not good and so that's not a good way to grow up either you know to feel because you feel like you're a failure from the very beginning really excepting when you're being exalted as the next coming of christ you know not <laughs> not natural any of it but as i said my own experience was very good and i wouldn't trade any of it if i could i wouldn't trade any of it um but mine was the exception rather than the rule it was an incredibly long answer i don't even remember what your question was <laughs> it was a great great answer i told you i told you were late uh, the same thing with boxing uh being a child boxer is not a, not a best way to go up for a, for a terrible way to go up also. And I think your hair is the perfect color. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I can't imagine what they would have said if I had walked in with this hairdo. <laughs> um, well, you didn't have a lot of freedom back then, right? To, I mean, no. they kind of dictated what you, you know, everything about yourself, even outside of the show, right? You were expected to look and behave a certain way. Yes. Yes, you were. The, um, the, the business today is, is, a lot of it is the same, but it's also quite different. I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about your movies with Elvis, yes. right? because you co-starred in three different movies with Elvis. I have a personal favorite. I, I was girl happy. I saw it uh, when I was young and I just fell, you know, I just fell in love. I thought that what's such great chemistry you had with Elvis. It was, uh, you know, cute, you know, cute movie, but I mean, overall, what an experience. I mean, what was it like to work with Elvis Presley? It was a wonderful, amazing experience. Um, I, Girl Happy was the first one that we did. And I think of all the ones we did, it was the better or the best of the three. Um, we had the most fun on the last one, Clambake, but, but the best movie was, um, was Girl Happy. And I remember I was a fan of his, but not not a not a gigantic fan. In fact, my favorite actor at that time was Jimmy Stewart. So you could see <laughs> my my direction was more in that line than going towards Elvis. But I was excited to be doing the movie, and but I I I wasn't like one of the fans that was just like, oh my god, my god, it's Elvis Presley. However, the first day on the set we were all in our places and uh, all of a sudden everybody on the set kind of got quiet and there, you just felt an energy. I, I don't know how else to describe it, but there was an energy in the room. And um, I looked around not having any idea what it was. And uh, I looked over in the corner 
and walking toward the set was Elvis. And I remember thinking, oh my God, it's Elvis Presley. <laughs> I, all of my savoir faire of not being a screaming fan, I didn't scream, but I, I was suddenly stunned. And he was the most charismatic person. There, there really was an energy about him that I, I don't think I've ever experienced with, with anybody else. He was a sweet and darling man. Um, but he was Elvis Presley, you know, and, and it was a remarkable experience to work with him, to end up becoming friends with him and doing three movies with him. Um, we laughed and laughed and laughed. It was a wonderful relationship. And the movies, we were aware, as you said, they were pleasant movies. We were aware they weren't good movies or great movies, certainly, to put it mildly. But they were so much fun. We just, just had a wonderful time. So I look back on those years um, with great fondness and great um, gratitude for having been chosen to be in those movies. It was just wonderful. Now, it's a practical matter. Is there music playing when you're filming those? I, I assume you, you actually did the songs in some kind of studio, recorded the songs, but... When you're filming the scenes and you're just, you know, driving along singing, I mean, is that something where you, they're playing the music for you to, you to kind of sing along to, or how does that work? You figured it out exactly. Yes, we did record in a studio, um, which was always extremely painful for me because I'm not a singer, wasn't a singer. I know I had had Johnny Angel. Yeah. <laughs> I was not a singer. And um, I, I think of the song that I had to sing in Girl Happy, and it was, um, it, there were three of us in my car. We were driving down to Fort Lauderdale for the spring festival, for spring break. Oh, yeah, and, spring fever, spring fever. That's right. Oh, that's my right. God, you're really good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and somehow, the three of us sang. I would sing the main part, and the girls who were in the car with me, my girlfriends, uh, would sing the, you know, La La La's and the Sha La La's. My voice sounded like Mi Minnie Mouse. The first time I saw the movie, I was like, no. It, oh no, I'm serious. I'm serious. It's, it's, uh, watch that movie again and you'll see. When that scene comes oh my God, she was right. <laughs> she did sound like Minnie Mouse. Um, anyway, so they do play the, what it's called the playback and they play it and you sing to it while you're filming and uh, there's a wind machine going so that your hair is blowing or whatever is you know that kind of thing but you sing to the song and um it's 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 just part of the way you do things but it is it is strange <laughs> so the song now, was that was kind of a duet oh, with yeah, elvis was, i'm sorry yeah, was, it, was it an elvis singing that song too wasn't that a duet kind of even though you're in different places um i can't remember that I, we did sing a couple of songs together. I think, May, I think I think it was kind of a duet. That's what I was wondering. If it, Were you in the same studio with him singing it or were they recorded the girl separate than the boys? Yes, yes. It was all pre-recorded and he did his stuff someplace else. We never knew exactly where, but um, a lot of it was recorded before I think the movie even started being made. And um, and yeah, you, you do what is called lip syncing. And you have to match. Yes, you did have to sing along with the recording that they already had, but you just had to you had to match the singing the the um, the, right, the, the the pace or the tempo kind of and the phrasing. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so no, we didn't we didn't do any of that singing together. But um, by the magic of movies, we did do it together. <laughs> Did, was that that was filmed in a studio? Those movies, or were they actually on location? Um, we never went on location. We uh, they had they sent uh, crews out to because the movies were always or ninety nine all of his movies were ninety nine percent in Florida and uh, usually on spring break and uh, or he was a race car driver in they. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, something else in another movie. But we always filmed on stages. One movie was made at MGM 
uh, two were made at MGM and one was made at Universal. And um, one, of the, one of the scenes in um, Girl Happy, I was supposed to be water skiing and I fell down <laughs> into the water. <laughs> and um, there are actually a, couple of actually a couple of stories about uh, skiing, but the, uh, they had to do close-ups afterwards. They had a double down in Florida who fell into the water from, from camera angle way back here. And uh, they did the close-ups, but the close-ups were done in this unbelievably dirty piece of land back in Universal, uh, at Universal Studios. Mm -hmm. And the water was, to, it was color of mud. It was mud. It was, it was, it was nothing on the bottom excepting mud. So the water that was supposed to look like the glorious water of Florida, uh, I had to be down in the water and come up and they were talking about what kind of shot I was going to have to have so that it didn't catch whatever, <laughs> whatever bacteria was in the water. Okay. Anyway, um, that's as close as we got to being on location, but um, yeah, all <laughs> in the studios. Now, what was it like to do a romantic? I'm sorry, Mike. Don't be offended. Maybe cover you cover your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, I understand. I've been through. I've been through this uh, many times. <laughs> just gonna, first, I wanted to know. I was the one that asked the questions. What was it like to kiss? Oh. <laughs> you know, I have to ask that question. You know, what was it like to do a romantic scene with Elvis? Um, it was. It was sweet and quite wonderful. It was, but doing romantic scenes of any sort, it's very difficult. You've got all these people who are just bored to tears. They're leaning on their rooms and kind of looking at their watches. Is it time to go to lunch yet? Um, and they've seen everything. They've seen everybody and everything. And they're really not interested. They're very nice, but they're not interested. Um, excepting when you're doing a romantic scene and then everybody's kind of watching like this. Um, <laughs> very or shy, shy people. And I think I have to tell you that most actors, I think really are shy people. Um, it, it's hard to, to kiss someone, look romantic with someone when, when you're shy and there are you know, 150 people standing there on their brooms looking at you like, uh, <laughs> we have to get going, let's go. So it's hard. <laughs> But to kiss him was very sweet. He was a very, um, he was a gentle person. He was shy too. So it was, it, it was always, it was just very touching. Again, I look back on those things much differently than I experienced them at that time. But it was, um, it was fun. It, it was fun and it was nice and it was sweet. And I was glad when they were over with always. <laughs> and I want to ask yes. Mike, what is oh. like to, what it's like to kiss Shelly Fabrez. <laughs> Great. <laughs> well, when, when Mike was here last, he told the story of when how the two of you met. And it seemed like it took it took a little while for the, you know for you guys to ultimately get together. Uh, oh, yeah. but you know, <laughs> it's such a sweet romantic story. It it, it is. Thank you. Yes, very much. It it, it is. Um it's, it's funny whenever somebody asks us about this through the years, I don't know, I don't know how Mike, I know what Mike said, but not how he answered you per se, because Mike's, Mike's version of the story <laughs> is about, and I tend to tell, as you can tell, I can talk a lot, but I get confused, <laughs> but I can talk a lot. Um, my version has all the details, you know, and then he said, and then we went and <laughs> things that don't have anything to do with the crux of the story. So if somebody asks us and I start to answer, I don't see Mike looking at his watch, but I know that he's technically, <laughs> you have no idea how long this answer is going to go on, but the story remains the same. And yes, it is. It was a romantic story and it did take quite a while, number of years, actually. Were you, I mean, you, you can tell me, you could tell me to just mind my business, but were you, were you attracted to him from the beginning, from like when you first met? Yes, yes, but not sort of in the way that you're talking about. When we first met, we were doing, uh, Mike was starring in a television series called The, um, the Interns, 
with Broad Crawford, Broad Rick Crawford, and um, uh, I played a guest part on the show. And my character was not even involved with his character. It was with another character on the show. And um, I just remember thinking, he's so nice. He's just such a nice person. And, um, but that was sort of it. I, I do remember that. You, what? you forgot about the picture I was carrying around. I don't remember what you're talking about. <laughs> the, on, on the set that when you were there. I was carrying a picture of my kid. Just... Oh, yes. No, that, yes, that is what I was getting to. But no, I didn't. no, 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 no. That's okay. Um, <laughs> my, my first marriage had broken up and I was devastated. And um, Mike was going around on that set and he was showing this picture from his wallet. And he was talking about his, his son who had just been born. And he was so, he was besotted with this child and besotted with this story. And I just kept thinking, oh, that's so wonderful. He's so, so in love with this boy, his family. He's just, he's just, he was every, it was everything that I had ever wanted and, but didn't have. And uh, I remember thinking, oh gosh, he's just so wonderful. So I was attracted to him, but it was more about, isn't he handsome? Isn't he nice? And he's such a good person. He loves his child so much, carrying this picture to anybody who would look. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it, years went by and we, we saw each other at the Universal Studios in the commissary one day. And it was like, oh, hi, hi. And he says, hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? And then we each went on our own ways. But I always thought, Oh, there's Mike Farrell. He's so nice. And um, gosh, I'm getting into the whole story. You probably already told this part of the story. I'll, I'll shorten this part. Um, we finally, I was doing one day at a time and Mike, this is years later, and um, Mike was doing MASH. And we were both sent by our the networks we were on, which we were both on CBS, and we were sent to San Francisco to be there for the, um, what do they call them? The, uh, the affiliates. The affiliates dinner. And they would bring in the affiliates from all over the country who ran CBS shows. All the networks did this, but ours was just CBS. Anyway, so we flew up there and uh, we didn't, but I did, he did. And um, I saw him across the room and I thought, oh, there's Mike Farrell. Oh, he's so nice. And then I was talking to somebody else <laughs> inside of the room and I'd been talking for a while and finally there was a tap on my shoulder and I turned around and it was Mike. And I said, oh, you know, hi, hi, Mike. And he said, hi. He said, I just have to tell you something. Every time I've heard your name or seen you, he said, I, I've always thought, Shelly Fabre, she's such a nice woman and she's just such a nice woman and I it was like hearing my own voice coming back to me and I mm. I was like just kind of stunned and I think my face turned probably the same color as my hair <laughs> um and in that evening he said to me is there anybody here of all the CBS stars who were there that you wanted to meet. And I said, oh yes. I said, I would love, I'd love to meet Charles Osgood and Walter Cronkite. And he said, huh? Charles Carroll. <laughs> God, <laughs> dear, Charles Carroll. Clearly I did love him, but I can't remember his name. <laughs> anyway, so they lined us together, Farrell and Fabre. We were lined up together backstage. And so we were talking all that time. Then we all went off to our separate tables for dinner. And um, at the end of the dinner, he came back to our table, my table. And um, he said, did you get to meet either Walter or Charles? And I said, well, I said, uh, I did I did meet Charles Corralt. I said, but I couldn't say anything. I said, I was introduced <laughs> to him and I just went, I just smiled. I said, I, could, I was so excited to meet him. And he said, well, he said, let's see if I can find Walter Cronkite. And he, we were walking out and he kept looking around and he said, I'm taller. I can see. And it's true. He could see. All <laughs> anyway, we never met Walter, Ronca, Ron, Walter Cronkite, but we did 
go outside to walk to the hotel where we were staying across from where this dinner was. And a cable car came up and he said, oh, did you want to go on a cable car ride? And I thought, oh, well, I, no, I can't do that. That's not, that's not proper. I was raised as a very good Catholic girl and you just didn't do things like that. And I said, um, and then I thought, well, Shelly, it's just a cable car ride. This is a cable car ride. <laughs> well, I said, well, sure. Anyway, we got on the cable car and we rode for hours. And then we walked back from the the bay area, from the from the water's edge. Fisherman's Wharf. Yes, Fisherman's Wharf. And it took, uh, it, so, it seemed to take like five hours to get back up to the hotel. What I remember most about that, aside from the fact that he was fabulous, but was that I was in three-inch heels and San Francisco. Oh you know, has hills like this and down and up. And I thought, well, I may die before we get back to the hotel. <laughs> My feet were killing me. So anyway, but the romance started. And uh, and here we are, 30 some odd years later, 35 wow. years later. Yeah. It, it was probably the Fairmont Hotel, was it? The Fairmont? Oh, gosh, yes. Very good. Yes. Yeah, very good. I live like 10 blocks away. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, well, San Francisco is such a wonderful city. Lucky for you. That's great. Well, yes, it was. Maybe we passed you on the walk. Well, no, you're younger than we are. So we didn't see you on that walk, but. Was it, I was in Ireland. Oh, you were in Ireland. Oh, yes, yes, yes. What were you going to say? No, just unless he was roaming the streets. Oh, yes, in the middle of the night, right. Sometimes. Which is possible. <laughs> Which is possible. Uh, Easy. <laughs> So, I mean, just, I have to ask you about having the, the number one record in the country at one point. I know you said you were, you know, you really weren't, um, you didn't feel like a singer or you felt kind of shy, but I mean, you did. Johnny Angel went to number one on the chart. I mean, what, what was that like to, to, to hear that or have somebody tell you, guess what? You just hit number one. All of those things happened and it was unbelievable. Um, I don't think I can tell this story shortly, but I will try. Uh, I was doing the Donna Reed show, and at that time, Ricky Nelson had started singing on Ozzy and Harriet. And he was, of course, a, a wonderful singer, and, and he was a big star. And uh, the producer of our show said, television being a, a business of lemmings, they said, oh, well, we have two kids on our show. We can make them singers, too. And, we'll, and thinking that everybody would do the same thing that Ricky Nelson did. Anyway, they, uh, and I, they, Mr. Owen, who was the producer, Donna Reed's husband at the time, um, came and said, have a great idea for next year. We're going to have you to sing songs and sing a song and we'll do a show around it. And now I was with Paul Peterson, who played my brother on the show, and he, he could do anything. Paul could sing, could dance, could act. He was just an amazing kid and absolutely fearless. So I'm listening to Mr. Owen talk about doing the singing. And I said, oh, Mr. Owen, that's really, really a, a good idea. I said, but I said, Paul can do that. I said, but I, I can't do that. I can't sing. Cut to about three weeks later. And he had said to me a couple of times, remember what I said about this? And I said, oh, yes, but Mr. Owen, I can't sing. And he came to me one day and he said, Shelly, he said, did you like, do you like being on the show? And I said, oh, yes, Mr. Owen, which I did. I mean, Donna, as I said, was my second mother. I said, yes, I, I, I do. I love doing it. And he said, ah, then sing. And I said, oh, okay. And that was it. That was, I was not going to be on the show again if I didn't sing. So I went into that with great trepidation <laughs> and, um, the man who put did the A&R work for the recording found the song Johnny Angel and several others. And Tony Owen, who was the producer, as I said, picked uh, Johnny Angel, went in and recorded it. Paul and I recorded two songs together. We each recorded two songs uh, ourselves. And they decided on Johnny Angel. And Paul's, they decided, was going to be a song called She Can't Find Your Keys. And... Um, <clears throat> I remember Tony Owen coming down to the set and saying, do you know how many records you sold in Boston this week? <laughs> and I, <laughs> I knew nothing about. And 
Nobody expected it to be a hit, least of all me. Anyway, it was, it was, I, I look back on it as a remarkable experience. And I'm so grateful for it because people have remembered that song for years. <laughs> I'll, I can go someplace today and somebody will say, Johnny Angel, and they'll <laughs> sing it and, I'll, and they'll say, Oh, could you sing a few bars? And I say, no, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I didn't even want to sing it then. <laughs> That's exactly right. Exactly right. So I ended up having to do four albums. And oh. yeah, that was the bad news at those days. In those days, it had a number one hit or a hit. You had to do more songs. And when I found out mm -hmm. I had to do the first album, I said, oh my God, I thought that's 12, 12 songs. I'm going to have to be singing 12 <laughs> songs. <laughs> Ended up, as I said, four, four albums, and each one sold successively less. So I would go to the record company, and I would say, we don't have to do this anymore. You know, the records are not selling. And they say, oh, no, we'll, we'll try another one. So I did it for a number of years. But um, still, that's amazing. To hit number one, uh, there are musicians who you know would, would, would wish for that and uh, oh, yes. their whole lives for that. And uh, that's amazing just to get that call that you're number one, the number one song in the country. Wow. It, and it really, <clears throat> really struck a chord. I, I, I do some speaking around the country and travel periodically. And uh, I can't tell you in a crowd how many men of a certain age will come up to me and say, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but I'm in love with your wife. And women say, I always wanted to be Shelley Faber. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I can see that. Is it, I mean, I remember when I was young, you know, she, you know all, all, all these things about her career and she was, you know, popular. I, I mean, I, I would imagine was, now what was that like? I mean, when you, when you first started to date her, was that intimidating in any way or what were you like more, just honored that or flattered that she was interested in you that way. I mean, how, how did you react? Oh, sure. You know, the, when you're in the business, you're, you're, you understand the business. So the fact that she was a huge star was um, great for her, but it was not intimidating for me. I was in a very popular show and oh, yeah. there was no, um, it, it just wasn't a, a concern what was a, what was a concern to me was that she was so damn sweet and you want to you want to you want to make sure that it's real you know that it's not just some put on thing but i the it was very very as i think i told you earlier i think it was a it was very clear to me that there was something very special about this woman and i was mm. i was enormously attracted to her and continue to be <laughs> I can see why. Um, it's very obvious. <laughs> you did an episode of Coach with her, didn't you, Mike? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah, they thought that was a funny idea, and I thought it was too. So we we did just a little thing where I was a a, a, a former lover. a former lover or uh, a former beau, I should say. Um, and it, you know, it gave. Uh, What's his name? Craig. Craig, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he gave what's his name some, some hiccups, but that was about it. On the show. Well, that was a huge, another huge project of yours, Coach. I think it was about nine seasons. Right. Um, very popular show. You're Emmy nominated for your character on that show. You played a very strong woman. Um, again, I think... I think of you back at One Day at a Time, I think you played one of the early narcissists because back then you didn't see women as narcissists for the most part. You know, you saw men be more villainous, but women were always a particular way. So I think you're a bit of a trailblazer there. Uh, and then I think with Coach, you were a bit of a trailblazer as well because you played a strong, established career woman, not like a stay, not stay at home. Now there's anything wrong with the stay at home uh, you know, but you you did, and you you portrayed completely differently a a strong career woman. Were you happy when they they summarized you know your character for you, and you knew that? I I have often said that if I had 
written a letter to God and said, this is what I would like to do. This is, I, 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 I would have described not that show per se, accepting the character, the, the milieu, the whole thing. It was, um, it, I couldn't have asked for anything that pleased me more or thrilled me more to do. And um, I actually, Christine was always a stronger person than I was at that time in my life. And I would gain some strength from Christine. I'd think to myself, Shelley, you know, well, Christine would say, <laughs> <laughs> Christine wouldn't put up with that, would put up with that. And I, I, I loved it. I just thought she was a, a wonderful character. And people used to say to me, why does, why do you love Hayden? Why, you know, why, how can you, or, or women would come up to me and say, I am married to Hayden Fox, I, you know, and they would always say it somewhat ruefully. <laughs> and he said, but they said, what is it that you see about him? And I said, well, um, I, I knew that the, the arc of the show was supposed to be that he started out as an, as the audience saw the show, he started out as um, pretty chauvinistic and, um, and just not, not good, man boyfriend material but she always saw something really good in him and um she she knew that she knew who he was more than he knew who he was and um i would just say to the people she just um she sees him she understands him and her patience was tried through the years when he would be you know, typically Hayden and saying his reaction to most everything was no immediately. And then she would patiently explain to him why it would, should be yes. And things, things would change. But I, I, it, it, I love doing the show. It was just great. <laughs> Did you have a favorite episode? Of that show? Um, gosh, I love so many of them. I, 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 I'm going to have to think about that because my main memories of of the show and of the episodes are of Craig and Jerry Van Dyke, who was wow. the funniest person that I ever met in my life. And um, and we laughed for years, for nine years. You were exactly right about the time frame of the show. Um, we just laughed continuously over the two of them. And that kind of supersedes my remembrance of the series itself i i i love i loved so many of them i don't i don't i don't think i could pick no i just suddenly remember remembered the idea of the show was that jerry had been um at craig's place and he had burned his tongue on something that craig or that Hayden told Luther not to eat. It was too hot. They were grilling hot dogs or something. And so then he burned his tongue and he decided he was going to sue Hayden. And we, uh, and we all had to go into the courtroom while that was happening. And Jerry was so funny and Craig was so funny. And the, the judge who played the judge in the show was so funny and looked exactly like Bill Fagerbacke, who played a <laughs> dauber on the show. <laughs> it, anyway, the, the rest of us who were sitting there and Bill was sitting there for most of the time, we got hysterical. We got hysterical. And how we all weren't fired from the show that night, I don't know. <laughs> but we laughed and laughed and laughed. At, and there, you can still see when you look at the episode, you see occasionally there'll be, I'll be, I'll be sitting up like this and then I'll be leaning over like this because what I'm actually doing is laughing at what's going on in the scene. And, um, and each one of us did it. Catherine Hellman, Craig, not Craig, Craig was up being sued by Jerry. Anyway, I think that has to last as my favorite, favorite episode to do, but I loved a lot of them. <laughs> Well, I loved a lot of them too. I think Seamus is trying to get my attention. Seamus, did you? I was, I was just, <clears throat> I was just going to say, Shelley, that in my in my literature studies, I, I discovered that that 
according to Thoreau and Emerson, the number one measure of success in life is to laugh often. Oh, hmm. yes. Oh, oh. Well, then I'm... They had, a, they had a top 10 list, like Dave Letterman, top 10 list. Yes. Number one, number one on both the lists was to laugh often. It's like, yay. Oh, that's so great. That's such a wonderful thing to hear. Um, <laughs> Patch Adams says laughter is the best medicine. Yes. Yes. And you both have brought so much <laughs> laughter into the world with your... Yeah. You know, people don't realize the value... Um, in the entertainment industry for the, to bring that kind of humor because there are people who are just having a bad day or a bad time. Yes. And, you know, I think that it really makes a difference. I remember, you know, I, talk, I was talking a little bit about it when we were, uh, before we started, uh, you know, but when uh, I, you know, I was going through cancer, I mean, that to me was huge. I mean, I would try to focus on something, you know, else and like yeah. just being able to sit down and watch a sitcom and kind of forget, it really does make a difference. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, does. it does. It's um, my, my favorite example of that in my own life was that I was going through a, nothing like your experience with cancer, but I was going through a very difficult time for me. Very sad and just difficult. But every night I would watch The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson oh. and I would laugh and laugh and laugh. He made me laugh. Well, he made all of us laugh incredibly. And I realized at one point that I every day would feel, if I can just hang on until tonight when The Tonight Show comes on, I'll be, I won't be okay, okay but I'll get through things because of Johnny Carson. And one of my great regrets is that I never, I never had the courage to try to get a, a note to him or a message to him or somebody who knew him to tell him that he really saved my life in, on many, many times. So it was, uh, laughter is the, the best medicine. There's no question. And my, my regard and my appreciation for Johnny Carson remains huge to this day because what he gave me and you too then in turn have done that for just generations of people that you'll just never know that who you touched uh, with the work both of you have put out into the world i think that's amazing that's quite a legacy we've both been very lucky and thank you very much yes your words are uh, like a lovely bomb but uh thank you it's uh it's been great to do and uh, to have people react like that is remarkable. Yeah, I've often said I'm the luckiest actor in the world for having been part of MASH. Mm -hmm. And I'm the luckiest man in the world for being <laughs> married to this woman. People would be hard pressed to argue against that, my God. <laughs> I have to be honest. Thank you. Thank you so much, my gosh. And I didn't, I didn't forget about you, Mike. I have just a couple of questions if I can sneak them in because I know you guys have an, an appearance and you have to leave. Um, but what I wanted to know about the medical terminology when you were on MASH, how hard was it for you to pick that up? It wasn't, uh, you know, it, you, you learn how to learn, do scripts. You learn how to do things, say things that are um, not part of your lexicon. But um, we had a wonderful surgical nurse who was on the set um, uh, who helped with things if we were mispronouncing something um, or misusing something. And we had a, a doctor, a, a surgeon who was, uh, went through all the scripts and gave us ideas and visited the set a lot. And so if we ever had any kind of thing to do that was technically difficult or technically uh, challenging, um, we had experts right there. Um, and you know, if you're relatively smart, you can, you can pick up dialogue and words and terms and techniques without too much trouble. And you had some actors there who spoke Korean, uh, actually on the show. Did, did they, I mean, they spoke Korean and did they speak English? Were those, well, would you have a translator there? No, no, they were American, most of them Americans who were of Korean heritage, uh, who spoke the language. 
Well, I also, my favorite episode of all time of MASH, I have a favorite episode of Coach, too, which um, oh. I didn't get to say, but it, it, I, I, think, I think I'm going to tell you both because I may never have this opportunity again, so I'm going to tell you both. <laughs> my favorite episode of MASH was when you and uh, Hawkeye break down um, and you're arguing and then you start walking, you have to leave the Jeep and somebody tries to surrender to you. Uh, and of course you have no interest in taking this guy and he just starts following you along. Uh, <laughs> you, you nickname him Ralph <laughs> and, and, you know, he winds up saving your life truly when you, you sure. get into a situation and you ride the motorcycle with him. I mean, that's my favorite episode. Uh, I laughed the whole episode through and I didn't get to ask you about what was it like to make that episode? Can you share anything? Can you throw me any behind the scenes <laughs> on that? It, um, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. I mean, everything we did was fun. Well, almost everything we did was fun. Um, but the 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 guy and I'm I'm going around in my head trying to remember his name because he became a friend. Uh, uh, he passed on a while back, but uh, it was a terrific man and a wonderful actor and. You know, a Korean actor in the United States doesn't get a lot of opportunities. So he was thrilled to be doing the show and happy to be working with us, all of us, the, in that instance, the three of us. But um, generally speaking, it was just a hoot to do the things we were able to do and have the fun we had making them. That was awesome. I love that. It's my favorite episode. My favorite episode of Coach is uh, the one when I think Hayden has a flashback of when he first met you, met the Christine character, and you didn't like him. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that's, that was funny. And it showed you had, you had, you know, good chemistry with the actor. Had you done like a chemistry test with him ahead of time or? No, not at all. Um, we, in fact, the very first day of the show of rehearsal, I was sitting in the the producer's outer office and we were waiting for all the actors to come in. And I had no idea who was going to be playing coach. Um, they hadn't cast the role at that point. And um, I remember seeing Bill Fagerbacke came in and we said hello. And uh, I had seen him on one of the interviews. So I had met him before. Anyway, then Jerry Van Dyke came in and um, I remember thinking, boy, that's not how I saw Coach. I thought <laughs> I didn't I, I have to readjust my thinking here. Um, and of course, I found out not too long after that, that it, indeed he was playing Luther, not, not Hayden. Um, but um, we, we did that read through and then we went down to the set and we did another read through there. And that was the first time that we met. Um, I, he didn't know me, I didn't know him. And um, it just, it, it just worked. You know, we, we I, I do, I do recognize the chemistry that we had between us on the show when I see the show sometimes. But um, yes, that's just one of those things. You, you read stories all the time about people who do have chemistry on screen and those who don't. And I was just reading a book about, um, oh, I won't even say who it was, but an actress. And I'll do this. It was an actress and she was starring in this movie with a man who was her husband. And one of the reviews when the movie came out was <laughs> absolutely no chemistry. <laughs> and it was amazing because they did have big chemistry and not where they not only were they married but they were kind of famous for having big chemistry together but the, no the reviewers just said no 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 don't bring these two back together again anytime soon so we were craig and i were lucky that uh, it worked the way it did for us but that was a funny episode i like that I could go on and on. Uh, you know, I, I'd never be satisfied. I'd never have all my questions answered, but I don't want it to wear out my welcome because I know that you have some place to be and I don't want to interfere with your schedule. We can give you a couple more minutes if you like, but because we're, uh, we have a little bit of a delay in our next thing. 
Yes, that's right. But so if but you, if it's but if it's done, it's done. Otherwise, you can call us once a week. We'll be here. <laughs> and I, I'll be through. With my She'll do that. She'll do that. <laughs> you don't know how tenacious I am, so <laughs> you can't welcome me like that. I'll pass it. <laughs> She'll move in with you. Oh my god, not quite that much. I'm not quite that big a fest, but but no, I'm just in awe of your careers, and I think I've been a fan from both of you for so long that to be able to kind of pick your brains, you know, and find out, you know, what things were like and what it was like to be behind the scenes. I mean, I think that's half the 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 fun of those shows. I mean, I get that they're acting. Uh, and what you see on the camera, what we, we were able to watch was something you were acting through. Uh, but you have this behind the scenes knowledge of like when we were filming it. And I, I just, I think that's pretty cool. And as I like to just pick your brains and, you know, s see what that experience was like. I mean, do you have a most memorable moment? For you, like, if you look at oh, across your career, which, of course, I mean, I don't even know how I'm even asking it, you know, with the things you've done, but do you have a moment that you feel is your most memorable? I, I think, I think it would be, uh, for a whole host of reasons, it would be the entire Donna Reed show, but that's because it was, it was certainly a, a big, thing for me to get that show uh we didn't know that it was going to be the success that it was but um but it was and while we didn't know it was going to be that but professionally it was but personally for me mostly because of donna reed it was such a profound professional i mean personal experience for me that that sort of encapsulates itself to a very special area of my memories and of my thoughts. Um, but there's so many. When I did Brian's song, I, that was just an incredible experience doing that television movie and doing One Day at a Time with Bonnie Franklin. I, I just, you know, gosh. Yeah, yeah. You, you were in something with James Kahn, were you not? That, I can't remember. That was it. That, that was, was it. Brian Tung. Okay. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it was, that was another thing that we, Nobody knew it, it turned into such an enormous hit. And um, it was one of the first really big turning into a motion picture. In fact, they released it as a motion picture at some point. But um, it, it, nobody expected what was going to happen to happen. And, and certainly while we were making it, Nobody had any idea. I mean, I remember Billy D. Williams, Jimmy Kahn. Jimmy Kahn only thought about one thing. He wanted to be, he accepted this role because he wanted to be a football player. And he was playing Brian Piccolo, who was a foot, it's a true story. Brian Piccolo was a football player. And um, he was hoping that when they started filming in Rensselaer, Indiana, where Notre Dame is, where they did all the, the, the shots for the the movie in the football sequences um he was very hopeful that they would see him out on the field and they'd go mr khan come on <laughs> we're going to make you <laughs> he literally had this fantasy that, that was going to happen and um anyway so nobody thought it was going to do what it did but it it was a for anybody who saw it it, it was a very moving experience and that was because of the script written by Bill Blinn and by the performances of Billy D. Williams as Gail Sayers and of Jimmy Kahn as uh, Brian Piccolo. They were magnificent. And uh, so that that lives in another part of my brain. So I, I, I have so many favorites. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And your Golden Globe. Yeah, I'm sorry. She's Golden Globe nominated, Seamus, for that role, I think. Yes, 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 yes. yes. Uh, I guess if everyone's purpose in life is to feel good, which is really what I, why else would we want to be alive. Thank you guys for making us feel good today. So good. And all through the years, all the shows uh, and the events, thank you so much for making us feel good. That's all. Nice. That's a lovely thing to say. Thank you're, you very, very thank much. Thank you for that. You have made us feel fabulous today. <laughs> can't say for the rest of the years because we didn't know you then, but we know you now. 
<laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not going to wear out my welcome, and I am going to let you go so that you don't feel rushed throughout the rest of your day. But I would like to invite you to please come back uh, and please keep talking to us. We love to hear these stories, and there's so many. I know more, and it's impossible to get to everything. I did the best I could, but it's impossible to touch upon everything that you guys have done. Uh, and the fascination there is with both of your careers. So I invite you both back and I hope you'll come back and talk to us. Thank I you. will say yes, absolutely. Anytime, anytime, anytime Thank at all. You. Thank you both. Thank you. Thank and you please both. enjoy the holidays. And oh, yes. yeah. in the new year, I'll, I'll, I'll be circling back. <laughs> I invite you back and schedule you. Enjoy the holidays though. Thank, Thank you. you. You too. Thank you both. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you both. Bye. Bye.